0: This morning, I'm going to be speaking about the seed within. The seed within every one of us. As I reflected upon this message and I think about God's Word and, and how He's created us, we are definitely part of our parents' DNA. We definitely have the seed within us that is a reflection of who our parents are and our grandparents. Don't you always love when somebody says, Oh, look, she's got great-grandma's smile. Or, you know what, I can see Noni in her, or Nana, or Papa, or whatever, you know, all these, everybody's always reflecting on, God bless you, just how, you know, you look at that child, and there's potential with every, in every child. And then they grow up, and then we say to them, you know, Wow, I can't believe, son, you're doing so well. It's our job, as the Bible says in Proverbs, to train up a child in a way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. So we train them, we raise them up, we tell them that this this is the potential that's within them. Listen, you can do it, you can make it. Son, I'm proud of you. Daughter, I'm proud of you. And, you know, but part of training is actually telling that young person, listen, it's my responsibility to tell you what is expected of you. If you want respect, respect needs to be earned and given. Amen? Amen. I think our society today has forgotten just how to raise children. I loved, I went to uh, a church down in Daytona Beach, Florida, named Crossroads, and up on the thing it says, we will be holding parenting classes this coming Saturday from 6 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. And I I sat there and I pondered and I thought, wow, isn't that great? Biblical principles on how to raise a child. Because so often we just expect that every one of us has all the tools, has all the instruments. Now, by raise of hands this morning, if you have children in this, in, the, in this auditorium, or if not, if you've raised your children and they're raised and gone, but you've had children, raise your hand for me. Now, through trial and error, would you say, wow, that was a lesson well learned? Yeah. And some of us are probably still saying, I'm still learning that lesson. It is difficult. There isn't a book... Or an instruction manual that tells us, listen, now when little Junior goes up, when you tell him not to eat any of those cookies and he gets in the cookie jar and you look at him and his face is smeared with cookies all over and you say, son, did you get in that cookie jar? He says, no daddy, I didn't. And he's spitting all over you because he's got Oreos all over him. Isn't that amazing? Children come in this world strong-willed and it's our responsibility to invest and to encourage them and uplift them i think some of the hardest things in life are actually raising a child and then saying you know what i didn't know how to discipline them properly my father disciplined me this way or my grandfather disciplined me this way oftentimes we don't know and we uh, again we don't have that instruction manual it's difficult I want you, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. As you turn there, I'm going to give you three important scriptures this morning, and I'm going to be sharing my heart with you about the seed within. Psalms chapter 127.3, please don't turn there. But it says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Happy is the man that has his quiver full. You have a large family, then your quiver is full and overflowing. Psalms 139:13 and 14 says this, For thou hast possessed or formed my inward parts. It says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered or weaved me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. And then we see in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, this is about Jeremiah. He's a prophet called of God. But I loved this part of Scripture. And I want you to stop as we read this Scripture, and I want you to identify exactly what is in here. Put yourself in the prophet's position. Ask yourself, am I sanctified? And if I were ordained, who am I? What am I? What purpose am I used for? It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. It says there that He was sanctified and He knew Him. He ordained Him in the womb. The seed within. Wow. Ordained and sanctified before the creation of time. Who made me? I love the story of the boy sitting on his father's lap as they were looking into a mirror. The boy said to his dad, Dad, who made me? He said, well, son, God made you. He said, Dad, who made you? He said, God made me, son. He said, Dad, who made granddad? He said, God made him, son. He said, Dad, who made great-granddad? He said, God made him, son. Why do you ask? The boy took one look back in the mirror and said, well, it just seems to me he's been doing a better job in recent years. The perspective of a little boy. Isn't that true? It's great. Laugh as we might and should. The boy was right. God so starts at conception to develop a child that unborn children have detectable heartbeats at just 18 days. Isn't that amazing? 18 days and there's a life. Well, they could say that medically. There's life as soon as conception takes place. Conception starts what? When the sperm reaches the egg. And that seed comes together and then life starts immediately. Today, I would like to speak of the potential within all of us and share my DNA, my life story, and how that applies to all of us. And I hope that today you'll see the heart of your pastor. And I felt it fitting that I should share some things that God has laid on my heart while I was away. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we're grateful. To be in your house, Father, we're grateful to open up your word and apply it to our lives. But Father, today may we realize the seed within, the potential that's within us, the tree that lies beneath our lives. And so, Father, may you define us and mold us and shape us into your image. Father, would you help us this morning as we have a clear picture of our worth, have a clearer picture, Lord, of what we need to do for thee. Father, thank you for this time. May we be attentive and listen closely this morning. Hide me in your shadows. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and take out a $50 bill. Please do not be alarmed. I do not carry around $50 bills, and so please don't rob me after service. But I'm going to take this $50 bill that I have here, and this isn't a magic trick. I opened it up kind of like it was. This is a $50 bill. Now, if you notice, it has both sides. No, just kidding. And what I'm going to tell you is most of the time, have you ever noticed larger bills are always crisp? You get a $20 bill, and it's all crinkled up. You get a $5 bill, and it's barely, barely noticeable. You get a $1 bill, and it's got rips here, and it's holding on by one little thread. But a $50 bill is always nice and crisp. So I'm going to take the $50 bill, and I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to go ahead and crinkle it up. I'm going to discard it. Nobody move, okay? Just just that I tell you. I'm going to discard the $50 bill. I'm going to step over it. Matter of fact, I'm going to go around that $50 bill. I think I'm going to walk on it. I'm going to smear it into the carpet right here. hope it doesn't rip. <laughs> just kidding. And, uh, and then I'm going to pick it up. If you'll notice, it's kind of a mess, isn't it? But let me ask you another question. If I open up this $50 bill... And I I get all the creases out of it. And I show you those creases. What is this? How much is it worth? $50. Isn't that amazing? It's just like our lives. Our lives are very similar. Even though people can step on us, even though people can uh, beat us up, the worth is still worth $50. Maybe in your life you've come to a place where you know what you can say, I've been stepped on, I've been beat up, I, I have just been I, I've been battered. And oftentimes you've asked yourself the question, What is my worth? What is my value? And it doesn't matter, no no matter how you've been battered, no matter what's gone on in your life, your worth Something to God. Your worth hasn't changed. That $50 bill never changed. Just because I beat it up and I crinkled it and I stepped on it, I stepped around it, the value of that $50 bill is still the same. He said that you're a heritage of the Lord and that there's worth to who you are. Have you felt battered? Have you felt beat up? Maybe just not worth a buck. Have you forgotten who your God is? Or have you forgotten where He is at in your life? Has there been so much hardship in your life through marriage? Maybe divorce. Maybe drugs or anger or abuse. That you just don't feel worthy of God's grace any longer. You just don't matter To Him, what church you do. He created you and you are worth more than you realize. He formed your inward parts and He weaved you in your mother's womb. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And God loves you dearly. Psalms 112 verses 1 through 3 says, Praise you, Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. It's a reminder because we've all faced times in our life where we've just been discouraged. We've come to places in our life where we've said, you know, I've made a mistake. I'm just not worthy to move on. I'm not worthy to take another step. I just, I'm done. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I can't go on. Well, I'm here to remind you today that God formed you. And inside every one of you is potential. Maybe you've stopped and said, I don't know what my potential is. Well, maybe you need to break away, break away from that seed. Maybe you need to break away so that that tree that's within you can start to grow. This morning, I want you to, if you would please, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And we'll be reading verses 33-34. through 34. We know the story of Peter. Here was a man who thought, you know, what is my worth? Can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples and He calls you? I mean, He sees the potential that's in each and every one of you. So He sets you apart. He sets you aside. And He says, I see something in you and here's what I would like you to do. But you look in the mirror and you say, but I don't see the potential that lies within me. I can't do that. I don't even have the potential to to do anything. I can't sing in a choir. I can't play an instrument. I can't preach. I can't teach. But there's something in every one of us. It's a gift from God. And He wants to use you where you're at. I love what the Scripture has to say in Luke 22, verses 33 and 34 And it says there, And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and into death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny me, that thou knowest me, that thou knowest me. Here is Peter who says, Listen, I'm going to go with you. I don't care if it's in prison, if it's through death, no matter what it is, I'm on the journey with you, God. I'm on the journey with you, Jesus. I know you. We have a relationship. He said, excuse me? We do? Well, just to let you know, before you hear the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. He said, you're kidding me. That cannot happen. Not me. I, I mean, I, ju- I just don't, I don't understand. And what we notice in Scripture is that he is denied. So, so look over to verses 54. i read with you. Verses 54. Through 65. And here's what he said Then took they him, and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him, and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. I don't know that guy. What are you talking about? And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, what happened? The cock crewed. The rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemy blasphemously spake they against him. Here's Peter. And he goes in and he sits down. And he says, You know, I'm going to go with you. We're going to journey together. I don't care if you're ministering in prison. I don't care what you're doing. Lord, I'm going to be there with you. Down deep in his heart, he probably knew, I'm telling a lie. Jesus looked at him and said, but you know, Peter, you don't really love me. And he goes, oh, but you do know I love you. I, I, you know I love you and I care for you. I mean, it's evident in my life. Can't you see I'm following you? I care for you. Jesus looks over at him and says, Peter, you don't really love me. He goes, oh, but I do love you. And he said, no, you really don't. And what happened? He denied him. It says right there that as he denied him, the punishment that Jesus Christ took. Well, how do you think, let, let's just, for just a moment, let's put ourselves in that position, in that place, and we have to, to say, God, is that me? Have I put been put in circumstances where I deny you? I don't even know you. I mean, I, I'm not worthy even to be your child. And... I don't want to represent you in this capacity or in this fashion or in this way. When I go to work, I'm not going to let them know. A matter of fact, I'm, I'm just going to act like I'm not even a child of the Most High God. And so we've all been probably in the place where Peter was at. We could probably say yes, We have been there. And unfortunately, what happened? He went on a journey. And we notice that in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, 4 through 5, it says, after he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Peter, Peter, then of the twelve. Let me let's just picture this. Can you imagine being a friend of Jesus? And looking him in the eye, Stephen saying, I'll never deny you. I know who you are, Jesus. We're friends. I mean, you're the Messiah. You're going to die for our sins. And after a while, he said, I don't know who he is. Now, let's just stop for a minute. What was the time span in between when Peter, Christ was then put on the cross? days. And that whole time, where was Peter? Peter was depressed. He was discouraged. He didn't feel like he had any worth at all. He was just, felt ruined, of no value, of no worth. Just said, I can't do it anymore. And guess what happened? This is the beautiful part to this story. That Jesus rises from the grave. And he walks over to Peter and says, Hi, my friend. Wow. What does that do for you? I realized in my own sinful life the grace that Almighty God bestows on each and every one of us. When we forsake Him, when we deny Him, when we don't let other people know who Christ is in our life, but there was Jesus who still came back after after all of that, after the humiliation and the embarrassment. He walks up to Peter and it says in scriptures that they embraced. And he said, listen, Peter. I know your worth. You see the picture? The seed within Peter was still valuable to Almighty God. He created Peter. And Christ, risen from the grave, came back at a wonderful appointed time, and embraced a man who felt like he wasn't worthy to move on. Wow! I don't know if you've been in the same place or the position that I've been in. Where oftentimes we make mistakes and in our sinful nature we say, I'm not worthy. I can't do that, God. What are you talking about? You're calling me You're asking me to do something? I can't do it. But God in His grace and in His love says, It's okay. I accept you for who you are. Because I formed you exactly the way I wanted to make you. Peter realized that. You see, Peter denied Jesus and felt worthless for his act. Jesus Christ, after His resurrection, approached Him. His value and His worth was still the same. You see what I see from the picture? He was a better man after He fell. Because if He wasn't a better man after He fell, then the fellowship with the Father wouldn't have been there. Amen? Now, am I giving you a free ticket to say, go out there and sin? I didn't say that. I just said, there's enough grace for you. There's enough forgiveness for you. I don't know if you're crawling around right now. I don't know if you've been depressed and discouraged. I don't know if you're facing days of uncertainty, uncertainty or days of saying, there's no hope for me. But listen, Christian, there's hope for you. And God wants to do something with your life if you'll let Him. Seeds. Watch this video. How many of you have seen an acorn before? And as the acorn drops to the ground, you can turn that all the way down. Seeds then sometimes have to wait a long time before they find good places to grow. And if you'll watch this, as it continues to grow within this seed... Places where the sun, the moisture, and the temperature is just at the right place. Most seeds are designed for the weight, protected by a hard outer pod. Some seeds wait years to germinate, and some just never do. But inside every seed, every seed pod, there is a baby plant, or an embryo, or an endosperm, a supply of starchy food that will be used for earthly growth if germination takes place. Then you'll notice then a tiny root will reach down into the soil and a tiny green shoot will reach up toward the light. But if you'll notice within that acorn, something miraculous had to take place. For that seed in that outer layer had to die. And so we realized that inside that seed came a tree. Came a magnificent tree. A tree that would, would grow to unbelievable heights. The redwood tree. You'll notice here's a picture. This is called the coast redwood. It towers over all other trees in the world. It stands at 367.8 feet high. The coast redwood discovered on the banks of Redwood Creek by the National Geographic Society in 1963 was the tallest known tree, known as the stratosphere giant. You see, there is the conventional sexual reproduction system of seeds, And about 20% of today's present trees sprang from seeds. The rest came from one of the various cloning-based proliferation strategies. Genetically, it's the same tree after each successive cloning process. 80% of the trees now growing were produced in one of these cloning processes. If you connect these two facts, you will come to realize that some of those trees out there could be the last in a 20,000 or 30,000 year or more. Isn't it amazing just how big that tree came? It was the line of the same tree reproducing itself over and over again. Genetically, they are the same tree that grew from a seed all those centuries ago, ago. Would it be proper to place the age of one of these trees as the true age of its unchanged genetic material, of its DNA, I don't know, but these amazing trees are truly ever-living. Within every one of us lies a tree, a magnificent creation, a perfect creation, just ready to be used by Almighty God. But first, we must be like a seed. The outer layer must die. Then God can create within us a mighty fortress that stands 367 feet tall. And if you look out here on the gorge, you'll notice as you drive by the interstate, there will be trees that stand out amongst all the other trees. But it all started from what? A seed. Amazing That something so mighty and so powerful could come from just a seed. You have the power within. You have the potential from within. Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That shell had to die in order to have newness of life. Ephesians 5.24 says, Now you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3.3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. It says, Mortify your members which are upon the earth, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created him. The Bible says we must die to ourselves. Church, where are we at? Where are we at at New Hope Christian Fellowship? Seven years we started this church. And I don't normally sit up here, but I'm sitting today. Seven years we started this ministry. And I've got to tell you, I think there's some of us in this room that need to die. When I was nine years of age, I remember going to a church service and coming home. And I remember as a a nine-year-old little boy, I went up to my mom and said, Mom, how do you get to heaven? I heard, heard Brother Bill Snowden preach a message. And for whatever reason, I left that service. And all the way home, I remember driving in a car and getting home and playing. And I remember saying, I want to know how to get to heaven. So Mom opened up the Word of God and she showed me Son, it starts today. You need to die to yourself. What was it, nine years of age, that I made that profession of faith and that I believed? And then it was at 13 years of age that I was at Lake Milton. It was Lake Milton Baptist Church. And I was baptized by Pastor Haggerty. He's gone home to be with the Lord as well. Then I remembered at 15 years of age, I was listening to a missionary preach, and I remember the tugging and the pulling of God. And it was at that moment in my life that I realized that, Wow, Todd, your life is not yours. You've got to do something with it. I'm not going. Oh, yes, you are. I'm not going to that altar. Oh, yes, you are. I'm not going to that altar. Oh, yes, you are. Today's your day of surrender. Today's that day where you take that shell that surrounds you and it dies. And you allow me to grow within you and to be a mighty fortress to be what I've created you to be. To preach my word. And I remembered stepping out and just going before that altar and, and weeping. And saying, God, here am I. Use me. But you know, sadly enough, church, I didn't surrender. I partially surrendered. Yeah, my background, I did the Liberty University Home home Bible College course through Bible Bethel Bible College. I did an apprenticeship program traveling to different churches, understanding how that church ran and the functions of that church. And it was a wonderful apprenticeship program. But I was afraid. I was fearful. And I said, God, not me. Okay. All right. I'll do it. I'll be a minister of music. That's what I'll do, God. I've surrendered. So, 15, led a choir. 16, 17, 18, 19, was the minister of music. Left their New Testament. Took me on as their minister of music. Then became their youth pastor. Okay, wow. This is comfortable. I kind of like it right here. There's no accountability. Everyone's going to like me. I'm just going to hide under the armpit of that pastor. Well, In my upbringing, I'm sad to say that I didn't have a very good picture of the church. I never realized it, and I never realized just how it affected my life because there was so much difficulty in church that I kept saying for 15 years, I'm just going to be an associate pastor because I'm not putting up with that junk. I don't want to deal with people. You know what? We'll let the pastor do it. And then God kept reminding me, Hey, Todd, are you a fake? Are you still that acorn that's sitting in that flower pot? And we've all known it. That little tree pops up. And you're like, how'd that acorn get in there? Mess up my flowers. Todd, are you just that acorn that's laying in that soil? Have, Have you broken apart that seed? You know, I had to ponder some thoughts while I left. Because I was about at the end of my rope. And I'm sharing this with you, church, to say this I can't do things on my own. I can't do things in my own power. I can only do them through Christ. And I told my wife, as she and I were getting tired and wearisome, I said, Am I truly surrendered? Have I truly given my all to Him? And the Lord guided and directed my footsteps over the last 10 days. And I realized, and the reason why I shared that with you and found it on YouTube, is to tell you this, that's my life. My parents were divorced. Always fighting for the affection of my father. And realizing it took about two years to go here at Celebrate Recovery to finally admit my father was an alcoholic. Because I didn't look at him that way. Because I grew up where you're ashamed of somebody like that. I grew up as a young man where you don't talk about the sin in somebody's life. If you talk about their sin, then you're not accepted. How can you be a preacher boy and have such dysfunction? How can you be a man of God and have the dysfunction in your family? <laughs> And so I surrendered and said, God, here am I. Use me. This church is compiled of people that are broken, that are hurting. New Hope Christian Fellowship is a group of people that have pain. And as much as I want to paint a picture of a congregation that's alive and holy, I must realize we all have pain and we deal with that pain. My father died four years ago of cancer. And as I sat there in a chair and I watched him deteriorate, I still was painting a picture. But I realized that today... I'm a child of Almighty God. And I must realize, too, that this church is going to face issues and problems. And if you're a visitor here today, welcome to New Hope. But I got to tell you, I know that some of us say we don't have the potential, and the potential doesn't lie within us, the potential does. And so the Lord continued to convict my spirit and say, Todd, there's some things that your church is lacking. So I said, well, what's lacking? And, and it's my fault, and, and I'm asking all of your forgiveness because I've failed you in many ways these past seven years. I have failed you, and i failed many people because I didn't realize that in my ministry, the importance of spiritual gifts, the importance of teaching you where you'll function the best. You know what I did? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. You need to serve. What are you doing sitting back? Well, you know where I failed? I failed teaching you where you're supposed to be. And I'm going to show you. First of all, I'm going to ask you a question. What do you expect of me as your pastor? We're going to do a little group participation here before I close today. Go ahead. Nobody's going to have that. What do you expect of a pastor? In generality, what do you expect? Go ahead. Leadership. Pardon me? Guidance. Keep you on the right path. Spiritual leader. Holiness. Help you understand Jesus. Love. Compassion. Commitment. Prayer. Anybody else? What's coming to your mind? knowledge, support. What was that again? Being drawn, Being drawn into worship. Amen. To be uplifting. To marry. To bury. To be there by your bedside. To help you get through what you, all the trials and the tribulations that, that you're facing in your life. Well, if you would, please, take your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. I'm going to read this. And I'm just going to share with you what the Lord revealed to me. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captive, captivity captive. And he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is far the same, also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For the perfecting, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, church. You're right on. Your pastor is supposed to be that spiritual guidance. My responsibility is to equip each and every one of you for what? The work of the ministry. Now let me show you. If I'm doing everything in this ministry, you know what you're going to have? A crazy pastor. What's worse than a crazy pastor? A crazy pastor's wife. And what's worse than that? Crazy pastor kids. And I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be a man who feels like I'm stretched like a rubber band. I don't want to be a man who feels like he has to do everything. It is your responsibility to now figure out where God wants you, what your responsibilities are. I'm to equip you. I'm to give you the tools. I'm to show you, listen, your spiritual gift is here and I'm going to plug you in over here. I was walking through the Church of Cathedral of Praise, and I'll give you a demonstration. Two people are here. Two people are here. Two people are here. And I'm walking down the hallway, and I call this the the Circus Church, because it kind of was. I mean, and even before I got there, I told Eddie, I said, I can't wait to get to the circus, and I didn't realize when I get there, all the, the walls were painted with carousel horses and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, wow, we are at the circus. But as I was heading down the hallway of this church of 6,000 people, of three services of 2,000 apiece, there was a couple that was standing there. And they said, hello, sir, where are you headed? I said, oh, up here to the sanctuary. They said, enjoy your worship. I stepped a few more feet, feet, and there was another couple. They said, hey, sir, where are you headed? I said, I guess up here to the worship service, to the sanctuary. Well, you enjoy your worship today. We're glad to have you. Got a few more feet. Got to the sanctuary. They said, sir, welcome to the sanctuary. Is there anything we can do for you? And I said, I don't know. I think the last four couples back there helped me. I was blown away. I, I didn't understand. I thought, wow. Wow. This church has all these people. And get this. I thought, I, I was kind of like one of those pastors who, you know, I mean, there's a difference between a little Chevette versus a Mercedes. And, I mean, we can look at the Chevette, but we can really sit and look at that Mercedes and go, wow, look at all the features of that. So that's kind of how I'm with the church. So I walked in, and I'm out there in the foyer area. Walked over, there's a lady sitting on the couch. That is her ministry. She sits on the couch. So when I go over and I sit down and have a cup of coffee, she says to me, how's your day? How's your day? And I said, great. Are you here to worship? It was amazing. You know why? Because every single person was plugged in in their spiritual gift. Now, I'm going to just show you a little illustration. Sarah Daniel Victoria. Come on up here real quick. And, And I won't take a lot of your time, but we're going to put Victoria on this stool right here. And Angel, if you'll please come up. Now, spiritual gifts have all different meanings. And we know the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 really spells out spiritual gifts. And, and some of them will have. We're going to go ahead and Daniel's spiritual gift is going to be teacher. <laughs> How good, right? Which That is his spiritual gift. Okay. And, and Sarah is going to be, hers is going to be mercy. Okay. So you're going to stand on this side of Victoria. And then yours is, your spiritual gift is going to be administration. Okay. So you're going to stand right here. And so angel goes to the hospital visit because Victoria had her phone and she was texting while she was driving. Isn't that sad? All of us go, aw. So she ends up in the hospital. She has a gash on her forehead. And two of the people in the church who joined the hospitality and hospital visiting team decided they were going to go visit her. Now remember, what is Sarah's ministry gift? Her spiritual gift is mercy and yours is? Administration. So we have Sarah who walks up and says, Hi, Victoria, I am so sorry to hear about what's going on in your life. You know, and my heart just aches, and I'm here to pray for you. And then so she puts her hand on her forehead. Meanwhile, yeah, <laughs> meanwhile, Angel walks in and she says, uh, Really? I mean, did you think that you had to text while you were driving? That's why you got the gash in your head. I mean, what were you thinking, Victoria? Well, let me ask you a question. Does Angel mean to be that way? No. Like this. No. No. Let me show you what happened. Because of her gifting and her gifting, she needs to be on the hospital visitation team. Because she has the gift of mercy. And she doesn't need to be on the hospital visitation (laughs) team. Because she doesn't have the gift of mercy. All she wants to say is, well, you should have did it A, B, C, D, because she's very analytical. She's very structured. She's very organized. So... So, what happens? Sarah comes back to Daniel. Daniel's in charge, which was teacher, but he's overseeing the hospitality team as well as a deacon of the church. And he, she says to Daniel, We've got a problem. Okay, good job. And so then she's like, You wouldn't believe what Angel just said to Victoria. She's never going back to that church because her gifting wasn't that. Thank you. Let's give him, praise the Lord, round of applause. You may be seated. What I want to share with you is in spiritual gifts, we've got to come to a place where I plug you in where you're best used. I have seen people leave New Hope. And it has saddened me because with them leaving New Hope, I've asked them, are you in church? Are you serving God? If, if their time is gone and they're no longer... And you know what they'll say to me? No, I'm not, Pastor. And you know, I've walked away kicking myself and I've never understood it ever. I could not understand it. And I understand people backslide There's sin. There's all kinds of stuff. New hope may not be for you. However, but what you need to do is you need to realize God has a gifting and there's that seed that's within each and every one of us that produces this big, huge, 365 foot tree that God wants to take you to a place you've never been before. And I have to tell you, we're here today because I have to realize on a daily basis the potential that's within me. I must die to myself. Listen, I'm talking to you teenagers as well. If you're sitting in this room and you haven't done anything for the cause of Christ, then do something. You know, ask mom and dad, can I join the greeting team? Can I help stand outside while people are parking? Can I take an umbrella and hold it for somebody? That's ministry. And I know some of you say, Pastor, I can't do it. Well, there was a young man in this church who was willing to preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ last Sunday. He might not have felt like, I can't do it. Luke says, I don't know. But i got to tell you, I know He was a blessing to many. Amen? Because you know what He did? Some of you don't even know this. He said, I'm willing and I'm a servant. And I know what Luke's spiritual gift is. So it's easier for him to get up here. But he walked up here. And a lot of you don't know this. At midnight and taped his whole message with nobody in this room. Why? Because it wasn't about that seed. It was the tree that's inside him because he had a message to share from Almighty God. And he wanted to share that with you. I'm thankful for a young man who's never preached here. That was his first time preaching here at New Hope. And I'm grateful for Luke being a servant of God. What are we doing? Are we just that acorn that's rolling around, tossed to and fro, not doing anything for the cause of Christ? Or are we allowing that shell to break open and allowing that tree to... To rise up and to make us a role model, not just in the church, but in society, with amongst our peers, amongst our co-workers, but more than anything, with this church. I don't want New Hope to stay at 150. I want to see you grow. And I want to see this church expand. You know, this, this building... If we just really took everything we had and said, okay, God, here we are, have faith, we pray daily. We give what we need to give to build it so that we can continue to make a difference for Jesus Christ. That's what ministry's about. That's outreach. The Nepali Fellowship coming here. Them being involved. They just won three Hindus to Christ. Amen? I mean, that is awesome. I glorify God. Because you know what? I'm still that guy who was still sitting back there going, oh, I don't want to get involved. I've seen my pastor do that before. I can't do it. But you know what I think God's doing to me? I think He's taken that seed and He's broke it open. And that tree is growing. And as it grows, I want to take this church to another level. And if you don't understand my heart, I have a heart for hurting people. And oftentimes, it burdens me and burdens me and burdens me. And I want to bring you hope through Jesus Christ. I want to equip you so that, guess what? That next hurting person can get help from you. And the next individual can be mentored from you. Isn't it awesome to serve God? With a great amen, let's hear it. Amen. Amen. It is awesome to serve God. We need to surrender our lives. We need to surrender our hearts. And we need to say, God, just break me open. Lord, I know I've not felt worthy. I can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. And I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. If you've retired, well, guess what? Get back to work. We never retire in the work of the Lord. It is time for our church to come alive so that revival will take place and that the Holy Spirit will descend upon this church and that the manifestation of the Spirit of God, and that's my Pentecostal in me, break through this whole church and that revival will take place because we're doing what we're supposed to. And that's surrender. And that's breaking our life open for the cause of Christ. Where are you today, church? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Just say to me, when we go through these spiritual gift classes, say, Pastor, I know I'm not a teacher and I can't do this. Well, guess what? Let's get involved. People need you. This church needs you. The world needs you. We need each other. And God needs you more than I need you. We've got to come to a place where we're humbled, And realize that God can do a work in and through every one of us. Like the redwood, would you grow? Would you become a mighty fortress? Would you be the tallest tree that shines light, as Miss Leslie said, for Jesus Christ? Would you not fear what my wife taught in the ladies' group this morning through the Women of Hope class? Don't fear those things. Get through those obstacles and allow God to shape you into a deeper relationship with Him. I'm done. And I want you to know that I love this church and I love this body of believers. And I want you all to reach your height. I want you to reach your fullest potential for Jesus Christ. Will you give your life to Him today? Will you allow Him to do a work in and through you? Will you allow Him to motivate you Have you confessed to God and said, I've painted a whole life that's not conducive with you. I'm living in sin. I am sin. And maybe for some of you who've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, that's why you're here. You walk outside that altar. You make things right with God. You allow Him to do a work in you. I know in my own life, I'm saddened because I'm always chaining myself down. But church, I want to equip you so that this pastor can be ready to preach the word of God. That when I fall before God on my knees and when I'm driving through a rainstorm, that I'm uplifting every single one of you in prayer. That I'm not so exhausted that I don't have another word to utter out of these lips because I'm tired. And I've realized that God spoke to me. And when He spoke to me, I shared it with you today. Come alive, church. Make a difference. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we come to You today, Lord, and we open up our hearts and our lives to You. And Lord, we just pray that You'll forgive us for, for just being a, a seed without breaking open and really getting in deep, fertile soil. And really, Lord, motivating us to, to the place where we can change. Lord, You've got to change us. Lord, You've got to remake us, reshape us. Lord, we surrender our lives to You and we just pray that today, Father, that in all of our lives that we can surrender and say, here, my God, use me. Lord, it's not about all the frills and the thrills of a ministry. It's about Your Word. But Lord, it's also about Your power and Your Spirit. And so, Father, I just pray that you will do a work today and if there's someone here that Lord has been just on the fence or they just have to surrender and say God I'm here because you brought me in my difficulties through my difficult situations Lord you're you're helping me you're molding me Lord I realize that I'm not of much value to you but I'm still worth just as much as the day you created me Father, use me today. And for those that are here, Lord, I I pray that they'll just break free from the chains that have kept them bound. Lord, give us life. Give us freedom. Give us victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. This altar call.